is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. So here today, we're with Josh Sturgeon of Ember Tribe. Ember Tribe, where'd you get that name? <laughs> well, Paul, as you know, domains are hard to come by. So we have <laughs> That's true. That's free. But no, I think it kind of groups together two, two concepts about kind of what we do, which is one, we're there to ignite growth, so there's your ember, but two, we really do believe it's about the people that you're reaching, your audience, and having a deep understanding of what makes them tick, I think is what helps us bring kind of a different vibe to what we do for our clients. Okay, cool. So Ember Tribe really was birthed out of kind of two concepts, if you will, because when you're starting a business, you're not sure exactly what the vision will, if it will be seen through as you planned it. But the concepts there remain the same, which are we want to ignite growth for our clients, hence the Ember or the Spark. And we want to really help people understand who their target audience is. So in reaching those people, how can we help you understand your tribe so that you can spark your growth? Okay, so growth, Ember Tribe. Okay, so growth for your tribe. Hopefully, if I have a product, I want to identify who my tribe is. Cool idea. And you want to bring my message to them so they can engage me? Is that fair? That's fair, yeah. I mean, really, what we're, what we're all about is helping our clients acquire more customers. So whether that means you have a sales team and you want to, you know, fill up the pipe mm -hmm. leads, or if you're an e-com, you know, e-commerce brand and you want to increase your sales quarter over quarter, we're very much like a direct response type of marketing. Okay. Company. Now people don't know you from anybody right now. They're listening to us and they're saying, okay, who's this guy, Josh? And what is it you actually do? Ember Tribe. Yeah. So Ember Tribe is a digital marketing agency that is basically focused on customer acquisition. So there's a lot, like marketing is a really big space. Right. There's your brand agencies, there's people that are focused on aesthetic or market research. We're really focused on growth and customer acquisition. And in service of that, we've developed most of our expertise around the paid channels. So those would be like paid ads, so through Google, through okay. Facebook, a number of paid channels. All right, well, hold on. So let's imagine we're talking to general people out there that aren't in this space. I want to try and make this a little more accessible to them. Who am I in the organization that might call you? Am I the chief marketing officer? Am I, I mean, you know, you're dealing with, I know you deal with a lot of startups and they haven't even identified all the roles that have to be there. So in a traditional, a little bit more mature company that's been out there, who is it that is calling you? Sure. Yeah, it depends on the industry for sure, but some of the job titles that we tend to deal with most frequently would be like a head of growth, maybe a VP of marketing, or depending on the size of the organization, a founder or a co-founder. Okay, so what problem are they sitting there saying, okay, I'm the VP of marketing, I'm a founder of a company, and I have a problem, and I got to call Josh. Sure. What's that problem? In short, it's growth, right? So at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're helping these companies find not really who their customer is, because at this point they have product market fit, they understand who their ideal customer is, and okay. they've proven that out, but they might not really understand channel fit. Okay. And channel fit is really just, you know, where are you finding these customers? And how can we determine which channels are going to scale for us and, and give us really a lot of runway to grow our app, to grow our business, whatever it might be. Okay. So I would say we're talking to whoever is tasked with filling the sales pipeline, 
whoever is tasked with crushing their kind of revenue records for that quarter mm-hmm. or for that year, and they know that they have a great product, but they're not exactly sure how to deploy a marketing strategy that's going to allow them to scale over the long term. Okay, so now I would have thought the VP of marketing would have done that. So do you augment that? Do you make them obsolete? Do you basically make them a hero or a star? <laughs> the answer is yes to the hero and star. What we find in a lot of these organizations is that folks that are in an executive role typically yep. have a great wide background in their generalists. Mm-hmm. But what they're looking to do is have specialists execute on you know specific parts of the strategy. But those folks become more of the, the ringleaders of making sure that the P&L is intact, making sure right. that they're distributing budget appropriately. Right. And what we're able to do is go very, very deep into this one area of what we call paid acquisition. So okay. developing new business through paid traffic. All right. So you would say you're squarely in the marketing space? I would, yes. That's okay. Right. Yes. So are there a lot of companies like you? There's quite a few. There's quite a few agencies, and marketing is a very big space. Right. And in many cases, we'll partner with other marketing agencies on projects. Right. I'd say, you know, other folks might be more focused on, like, a brand or an aesthetic or even market research mm-hmm. where we find ourselves much more focused on the customer acquisition component of it. So how is our work, how are the ad dollars that you're spending with us on these different platforms translating into business value? So we're very much tied to the performance and the results aspect of it. Okay, that sounds good. So I'm in a company, whether it's a startup or whatever, I'm a founder, let's say. And I've got this new G-Wiz product, and it really is cool. What do you do for me? So we tend to work with founders and founding teams that already have what we would call product market fit. Mm-hmm. So your product is cool. You're probably not pre-revenue. Though mm-hmm. You probably have at least your kind of first cohort of customers. But what you're really looking for is as you're heading towards maybe that Series A investment from venture capitalists or whatever you choose for funding, if you choose that at all, is you're trying to find predictability around how to grow that customer base. And so what we tend to focus on a lot of times is what we call channel fit. And channel fit is simply just finding the marketing channels as they work together to repeatedly acquire new customers over and over and over again so you can scale your growth to the next level. Okay, is there a, I don't want to use this word, but I'll use it. Is there a real world analogy for channel fit? Oh, let me think. I should probably come up with one. Well, is it sort of like, you know, if I'm advertising to Little League players, I should go to the Little League games, maybe? Yeah, I think what it is is, you know, the reality of digital marketing is that your audience isn't just spending time in one place, they're mm-hmm. actually spending time in a number of places. You know, think about your own internet usage in a day. Right? Mm-hmm. You might uh, check your favorite sports blog in the morning and kind of see, you know, what the Red Sox were up to. Or then after that, you're going to catch up with some friends on Facebook mm-hmm. or, or do some social networking. So there's a lot of different touch points that an audience, a target audience might have okay. with digital media. It's our job to find out which of those touch points they're using and how we can go about getting your message in front of them at the right time with the right type of an offer. That doesn't sound trivial. No, it's, there's a lot of work uh-huh. that does do it. Yeah, okay. there's a reason people hire us to do this. So-
let's so let's take an example here. Let's say you have a company. I'm trying to think of some of the people I've heard with small businesses that they've started. Now, here's one: a woman who is doing a personalized education for small groups. So for people that have kids and they might be homeschooling them or they may be giving them classes to just augment their their high school or junior high experience. And this woman has this business. Her students love her. Her parents of students love her. How do we, obviously, I, I don't know. This is a, this will show my ignorance. Somebody who's reading a sports blog probably isn't going to react to an ad for get your kids the best tutoring that they can get. She does tutoring, sure, basically. Sure. So how do you approach that? I mean, uh, you know, it's like, okay, do I put up billboards? How do, tell me how you attack that. Yeah. So let me take you towards the start of what an engagement might look like with, mm-hmm. this, with this woman in her business. Is The first thing that we want to do is understand, in their own words, what the, call them homeschooling moms, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how they're talking about their problems. And where are they talking about it? Mm-hmm. So initially what we do for the first three or four weeks for a client is we go out and we do kind of guerrilla marketing research, which is we go through and we find out what are the communities where these mm-hmm. homeschooling moms are spending time online. You know, that could be subreddits on mm-hmm. the platform Reddit. It could be Quora and them asking questions on Quora. There's a number of places, niche forums and different places we can go. And then again, in their own language, understand how homeschooling moms are describing the challenges that they face when trying to find personalized curriculum. Okay. And in that stage, oftentimes what we find is it challenges a founder's assumptions about what mm-hmm. makes their audience tick. That's really, really important because as a busy business owner, it can be difficult to kind of stop and smell the flowers a little bit about what your customers are saying, right? You have mm-hmm. so many things to do that you can kind of form these rock solid assumptions about who your audience is and what makes them tick. Right. So we try to shatter some of those, but we also, in a very practical sense, want to think about the language that people are using to describe their problem so that we can use that in our ad creative, right? So if, let's say, the research indicates that homeschooling moms just feel like all the existing solutions out there are too expensive, mm-hmm. maybe we're taking more of a price-conscious angle, mm-hmm. and we're going to frame that that value proposition of that business owner along those lines, right? So I think that initial research does a couple things. It helps us identify some of the platforms where we could reach these homeschooling moms, but it also gives us some more language to use Mm -hmm. in our ad creative and ad copy to get them to take the action that we like to take. Okay. Again, I'm not an expert in this. I don't even play one on TV, and certainly our listeners are going to be all over the spectrum. Are there ways in which I can actually target these people by these demographics? There sure are. Yeah, and so every... Let's call it every major platform, and to call those out, I would say Facebook and Instagram, Google, which would include YouTube. Mm-hmm. These are massive platforms with billions of users. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we use them every day. And so, you know, the beauty of that for advertisers and for business owners is that over time, these platforms gain an incredible understanding about what makes their users tick. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of rent that out to advertisers in, in, in a sense, right? Okay. So if we wanted to form a campaign for this particular client, we would say, okay, we're, we're thinking about moms, mm-hmm. maybe between the ages of 30 and 45, mm-hmm. and here's some other interests that they may have, some mm-hmm. things that are like a good proxy for us to identify them as a, as a good fit for mm-hmm. these products. And that gives us a really good starting point for how to reach maybe that initial 
audience segment. There's other more advanced ways that, that it can be done as well, but that's at least a good start. Do you guys go and create a persona? We do. So we try to do that in the first you know, few weeks, and we don't spend too much time dressing it up mm-hmm. and calling it Sally, Sally Sue, whatever, and mm-hmm. using alliteration. We really do just try to figure out like who are the distinct different segments in this audience. Is it a mom? Is it a dad? Is it a single parent? And what are some of the ways that they describe their problem? But yeah, we do break those up, and we kind of have messaging that we would use to reach each, each of those people and how to describe what we call the product story to each of those people. How easy is it to engage with the different platforms and sort of couple that persona into their platform? Because shouldn't that be their problem, delivering new people to convert? Yeah, so the platforms are getting more and more advanced every day. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the, I think, the ways that we add value to our clients is that you have a business to run, you have a team to lead, you don't need to be mired in the granular changes of the algorithm on Facebook mm-hmm. or this new ad feature. Let us worry about that for you. This is where we've kind of carved out our, our specialty and expertise. Oh, okay, cool. So us being able to keep track of that for you and run it on your behalf frees you up to just actually deal with the new business that's coming through these campaigns mm-hmm. and focus on taking your business to the next level. So yeah, it's definitely on some levels it's getting easier. On other levels, it's getting more complex. Mm-hmm. You can get into that if, if you want, but it's definitely changing. That's the one. Yeah, that's that true. That's changing every day. <laughs> so, well, let's let's go down this path a little bit. So, you have the ability to target certain people. I would imagine the more specific a product, I'm just I'm looking around and trying to find a product. Uh, we have a Canon printer here. How would you go about doing that? I mean, that that happens to be uh, an 11 by 17 color printer. Is that too specific or is it too small of a targeting market or? Yeah. So I think we would think about this in a couple of different dimensions. So Canon, if you're listening, you know, this one's for free. Okay. I would think about it in in two buckets. One Mm -hmm. is who are the types of people who would buy a Canon? Mm -hmm. And then the other is like, how are people currently searching for printers like this Canon printer. Okay. And so let's start with the first one. We might uncover in our research and in working with a company like Canon that people who own this also tend to own Dell monitors, a mm-hmm. registry monitor, and they're definitely Toshiba PC laptop folks. Mm-hmm. So we can start to develop maybe these other affinities that they might have for other brands okay. that would help signal that that person is a good potential buyer for a Canon printer. Okay. So that's where we might start with trying to reach the person. But the fact is, you know, there are billions of searches happening in search engines like Google right. who are also searching for best desk jet printer or inkjet yep. printer. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to capture that as well through what we call search marketing. So this is where we start to unroll what we call a multi-channel strategy. Okay. Let's go directly to the people who could be a good fit for this, but let's also capture the searches where people are already looking for this type of a product. Okay, so now how does that differ when we start to move towards a new hiking boot that's coming out? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. I think what would change, actually what we see often with our startup clients is that what they're doing is so new and so mm-hmm. innovative that there's not really a category mm-hmm. for it yet. So that kind of immediately eliminates the paid search option because there just isn't search demand for it. Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily have the, the language to mm-hmm. search for it. So that would lead us to what type of person might be the right fit for this hiking boot. And again, it would go, we'd go through this exercise of trying to find the other maybe affinities, the other interests mm-hmm. that they might have in addition to hiking. Maybe they're also avid kayakers. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are campers. 
there's other things that would signal that this might be a good fit for the boot that you have. So, all right, let's say it's a general hiking boot. It's available in women's and men's, no yep. kids. Do you then test those markets? or So would you advertise it on Facebook and say, you know, gee, let's say Paul's new hiking boot. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the type of marketing that we do, right? So in the, call it even the 90s, you would have had to have make, made a really big bet. And you might have had to go and and create a very expensive TV spot mm -hmm. by airtime many quarters in advance. And then if your kind of one little campaign slogan didn't pay off for mm -hmm. you, well, that's really tough to come back from. But the beauty of this is that we could maybe frame two, three, four, five, ten different ways to advertise this boot. Mm -hmm. Like hit on a number of different product benefits or what we call value propositions and actually measure which one is getting you the most sales. And so that's a very interesting distinction between now and then is that now you don't have to get it right on the first strike. Does test and iterate and improve. So I know Mark Zuckerberg is famous for saying fail fast. Is that like just a way to sell more ads? <laughs> it's probably a way to keep his board happy in the beginning. But no, it, you know, it's funny. It, he does say that, and that's kind of a very popular Silicon Valley you know, part of the lexicon is to fail fast or fail forward. Mm -hmm. But it really is in the DNA of this new era of advertising. Mm -hmm. You don't know all the answers until you try. And to give you an example of this, we were helping market these they were called whiskey stones. So they're mm -hmm. just a way for you to chill your drink without diluting it. And the founders were very hyper-focused on selling this to men who love, you know, scotch and whiskey. Mm -hmm. But what we found in our testing is that women were buying this hand over fist. Hmm. And they had ignored an entire gifting audience of, you know, women buying these for their significant others and for their partners. So mm -hmm. that's one example of where it wasn't necessarily a failure, but it was a test that right. would hang off really big because we just... We're like, we might as well try. You know, it's mm -hmm. not a huge, huge amount of money at stake here to get the right. answers to this. Well, we've been talking with Josh Sturgeon of Ember Tribe. There'll be ample opportunity in the show notes and links for both Josh individually and for Ember Tribe. Just wanted to thank you for coming in. Yeah, Paul, thanks for having me. This was a great conversation. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. So you've just listened to part one of our three-part interview with Josh Sturgeon from Ember Tribe. Be sure to tune in next week. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.